Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, episode 64, Cool Button Hockey Podcast is underway. Craig, it's the most wonderful time of the year, is it not? I love it. I love it. We play 1,312 games to get to this. Big picture. Has this been as good, exciting, fun as we dream it to be in the summer when we're waiting for hockey to start? Yes, yes, and yes. And I would say that because of, you know, the the rhythm that the teams have found, you know, really since February, there's been a rhythm. I know there was some compressed schedule uh, for, for some teams, but all the buildings are full. The competitive nature is great. And, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing the great players play great. We're seeing great teams play great. We're seeing the competitive edge of the playoffs. Absolutely love it. I think it's fantastic. We have some controversy. Sidney Crosby, 2-0, has the puck in the slot and gets hit by Jacob Truba. The video on this is not outstanding, which considering the broadcast was on MSG, Pittsburgh, and ESPN, uh, uh, where's the reverse angle? But anyway, so in looking at all the videos and absorbing everything, understanding who the combatants are, do you have a verdict, Mr. Craig Button, on the play and what you think the end result should be? Well, you know, again, you, it would be really simple if it was cut and dried, right? And you just say, like, you know, the Darnell Nurse headbutt, it was clear, right? It's a headbutt. Like, you know, like the evidence is there, boom, you're gone for a game. And, you know, the Department of Player Safety has to look at all the different angles, can, the play. And if it was real simple, like Darnell Nurse, we, we, we'd have, oh, there's a hearing and we'll, we'll know about a suspension or not a suspension real quick. Anyway, that being said, watching the play, you know, I, I see an entanglement. I see... Uh, a, a player, Jacob Truba, trying to make contact on player Sidney Crosby, who's trying to avoid contact. And as as Truba's coming into Crosby, Crosby's twisting, and that, and you watch Truba, and yes, he makes contact with Sidney Crosby, but to me, he 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 doesn't make uh, the, the the head the principal point of contact. He comes through the body, and you know one of the parts of the rules in the Department of Player Safety considers this. Does the player in this case, Sidney Crosby, immediately prior to or simultaneously to the hit change his body position? I don't think there's any question he does because he's trying to avoid contact. I get it. And I think Truba's got a stick on the ice and he comes through it. Based on what I've seen, I don't think it merits supplemental discipline. That's, that's my view of it. I don't have the final verdict, but that's how I see it. I think we could have lived in the moment with like on Johnny Goodrow the other night, maybe a two minute head checking penalty on the one angle on the play-by-play angle. It looks like he misses stick on puck. He misses body check and then chicken wings his arm on, on that video. I was ready to convict. I was because I thought you missed, you missed. And remember the body check protects the player. If the head moves, but not the elbow doesn't. The elbow doesn't, right? The body check does. And we still allow head contact in a body check. As long as the body check, it's not 90 head, 10 body. There was enough of it. The other angle, which would have been the angle the Penguins saw from the bench, shows too much what I will call fullness. Fullness. I, I can't, as the district attorney, convict with a clean conscience 
from the other angle. I can't. I can give a two-minute penalty. Um, we don't have a two and a ten. You know how I feel about that. So, and because it wasn't a wow moment, like Crosby didn't go down when, you know, like Luke Richardson hit Tony Granado that time and Bob Cole said, oh, baby. You know, that was legal back then. It didn't happen. He kind of skated off and it sucks because it's Sid. We know it was 2 nothing. It looked like the series was over. I don't think Trouba went out and was headhunting, but we do have actions and reactions. The action of Darnell Nurse, luckily the reaction was, was, was not a concussion to Philip Deneau or, or it would have been worse. Here we had an action and the result, but the action wasn't strong enough in velocity, in just elbow contact to convict. So I'm not going to force an issue from a second angle that I, that I don't believe in. I went to bed thinking that it feels like one um, on this morning by looking at the, and unless there's another angle that we have that's better and Truba comes out and says, I tried to hit him in the head. I think that this will be no fine, no suspension and probably no Sid for game six, unfortunately. Well, I don't know about Sid. So I'm going to like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not a doctor and I'm not going to, you know, evaluate, you know, whether he's available or not. So we'll just wait and see on that. Uh, this is one of the challenges that the Department of Player Safety has. You know, you know, you you look at it, you try to look at, you try to get every possible angle of the hit to try to give yourself, you know, the greatest observation uh, of the play so that you can make a determination. And it would be, like I said, it would be great if it was as clear cut as the Darnell Nurse headbutt. And it isn't. But, you know, again, you just said, you know, is there enough evidence? Is there something there that says, you know what, that, the, you know, that the, the head was the principal point of contact. You know, the other thing that comes into, in, into this discussion too, a hockey play. Troop is coming up and trying to get a stick on the puck. And Steve, you make a great point. You know, just because you try to put the stick on the puck, just because you're trying to make a legal body check, if you miss, you're still responsible for a miss, Right. But I don't think, but I think it was a, like a hockey play. I, I, I don't think there was targeting of the head. And I'm going to go back to another play. TJ Oshie hit Sam Bennett that led to the Kuznetsov goal on the Florida Washington series. And there was a lot of, there was a lot of, uh, you know, discussion about, oh, that was a headshot. No penalty, no hearing, no anything. And, you know, I, you, you know, you got different angles from that. I, I, I see this as very, very similar. Different situation, obviously, but I see it the same way. I, I just don't think it merits supplemental discipline. So now, can the Penguins win the series, dot, 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 87, question mark, and still Louis Domingue? It doesn't, Jari's back, but it doesn't look like he, he's getting closer, and now he's been listed as day-to-day. -day. That's an improvement. That's, you're off the board. And then I'm into the Kentucky Derby. Oh, oh I'm in the race. <laughs> All you need is a ticket and a chance. So now has it changed like the Penguins? Boy, can we get Sid in the Hart Trophy conversation again and, and get him nominated? You're talking about valuable to your team. Oh, boy. They melted. They melted like a 100-degree Arizona summer and a beautiful chocolate sundae. Like that was a unmitigated disaster to finish the second period for the, they got one back, but now I'm more worried now than I've been like game six is going to be so huge for the penguins. I want to see Mike Sullivan settle this team down. That's very interesting to me. 
you nailed it, Mike Sullivan. He's the X factor here. And Mike Sullivan's history, his ability to uh, look at his team and go, okay, this is what we have. This is what we're going to do. And, 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 you know, if we play like this, we'll have success. I, I really believe he's that he, he does a tremendous job. And to me, the Penguins are still up three games to two. It's not like they got to come back to Pittsburgh and win game six and, or, or else they're done. I think they have enough there. I think Evgeny Malkin's been really good. I think they have enough up front, enough on the blue line. So do I think that the Penguins can win? Absolutely, I do. And do I think that the way they're playing gives them a chance to win? I absolutely do. They had, they had a bobble. They had a bobble in that second period when, when the Rangers got back into the game, scoring the three goals. They had a bobble. That's all it was. It was just a short bobble. It was 10 minutes, 12 minutes, whatever you want to call it. That's what it was. They got settled into the third period. They, they had some really good chances in the third period, okay? And I'm not worried one bit about the Pittsburgh Penguins. I'm worried about the New York Rangers. <laughs> we have so many sexy sixes that we'll get to as we move along. Daryl Sutter, and you know him so well. And, you know, you're watching the broadcast. You're making notes. You hear certain things, and but you can't miss the big things. And Daryl who's a modest man, first question post-game. They didn't ask about the switching of the three right wingers, but he brought it up in his answer. Because I'm sitting there saying, hmm, 20 is the third line left winger. He's moved up. 19 is the uh, right winger, sorry. He's moved down. And Tyler Jafoli's moved up. And there was a chemistry with Mangiapane and Coleman and Backlund, and they were on, and the Flames came. And then Rick Bonus came to the podium and said, they just turned it up and we couldn't handle it. So we talk about coaches and adjustments. Your buddy Sheldon Keefe put 55 on the power play, put 88-91 together, needed something, and it worked. Daryl feeling, I got to do something, switches his three right wingers, brings it up himself in the post, and then Rick Bonus talks about it. That was the Flames getting into the faster lane, Grandma, and then flying by the Dallas Stars. And it couldn't have come. In our league, even though you, we have so many comebacks, Craig, you lead after two, you're in a great position to win the race. The Flames turned up the heat last night. Kudos to Daryl and his adjust- in-game Scotty Bowman adjustments, I'll call it. Well, I mean, that's what, the, the, that's what top-notch coaching does. Top, the top-notch coaching influences – uh, in a positive way, the game. And it doesn't mean you're always going to get the results, but you got to have your finger on the pulse of the game. Did you also hear what he said about Matthew Kachuk? Yeah, that was, that's telling. telling. What, what, what was it telling? No, no, it's not telling. It's honest. No pace, no pace. You know, the very first play of the game, when Johnny Goudreau sprang Matthew Kachuk on that breakaway. Yeah. I, you know what? I, I gave that a half chance. I, I, I said, that's a half a chance. Because Matthew Kachuk had no drive. There was no, like, urgency. Like, I got a chance here to put our team up one nothing. It was like, whoa, I better take the shot. I mean, that shot was, like, feeble. And I think I might be giving them credit for, for I don't even think it merits a half a chance. And that's how he was the whole game. And Daryl said, uh-uh-uh, uh-uh-uh, uh-uh, you just sit over here. Because not only was Matthew not playing very well, but he holds other people back. <laughs> and Daryl's not going to let other people be held back. And, you know, so to me, that's coaching that like, you know, and, and, and he doesn't, he doesn't dither. 
It's like, boom, right away. Here's what we're doing. That's what, how many times, Coach, oh, well, we'll make the adjustment in the in between periods. Might be too late between periods. You better make the adjustment when it's ready. Dale's got his finger on that pulse. Now, you know, I think that the Dallas Stars might have played as well as they ever possibly could in the first two periods. And not that the, not that the Calgary Flames didn't. I mean, they stayed in the game and they were there and it was a tight checking game, as Daryl pointed out. I don't know how you can play better than that. Only have a one nothing lead, and and then you get obliterated in the third period because they got obliterated in the third period. Oh right? yeah, I mean Calgary took it up two notches, and and they couldn't and they couldn't handle it. And you know, again, we've talked about Calgary being so good in in their depth of their team, defensively and offensively. It's Sean last night, and you know Blake Coleman. How about Trevor Lewis, Steve? I'm going to send you some notes later from my game. The notes. I'm going to say no. And, and all I have there, Coleman on the, Coleman and Lewis on the penalty kill late in the third period, yeah. winning hockey. Trevor Lewis, empty net goal, winning hockey. Like, you know what? Never ever underestimate those guys. They know what it takes to win. And then they show you the way. Michael Backlund is a superb two-way center. Superb. And he showed it in that game last night. Mind you, Pawnee's had some good chances. It was just a matter of time. But if you look at the data on that series, Dallas is getting this much offense. <laughs> like they are right in every single category. They're right at the bottom of the 16 playoff teams. They are getting nothing. And you know what? Daryl's quite happy with that. And, yeah. you know, Markstrom's called upon to make a save here, a save there. And he does made that great save on Pavelski, but coaching adjustments the, and understanding what you need at any particular moment in time in the game. The good ones, no. Yeah, and uh, the Lewis Sutter connection that play at the end was great, and that's oh. that's that's Will. He just wanted the puck more. And he just he just he went to get it, but he also went to stop Dallas from exiting the zone. He went down down the best offensive play was the best defensive play, or vice versa. And the best thing for the Calgary Flames was going to Dallas because how they played in Dallas, um, and then what they brought to the third period last night. Um, outstanding and the moves and good for all the guys that you mentioned. I was happy for Mangiapane because if at first yeah. you don't succeed, try, try again. So the pass to Backlund and the ripper was great. The, oh. the hosting in is the greatest sound for a score. So much fun. Um, can the Florida Panthers win playing like this? <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes, can they yes, win? Yes, okay. Yes, okay. Yes, well, it's going to be a fun, <laughs> it's already a fun ride. So if they can win doing this, Oh my goodness, I call it a what a change from the 96 team till this one. The 96 team is fully dressed in a poncho, a hat, gloves. You know, this team is skinny dipping. Like this. this team yeah. is Baywatch. This team is Baywatch. Like it's and it's must watch. Like it's like how they came back in one game four. How three nothing. It's like oh three yeah three nothing. Here we go. Most people don't even know who Carter Verhage is. Come on, people. I just oh. find it fascinating because you know what? It's not the norm, Craig. It's not the norm. No, it, it isn't. But this is the way the Florida Panthers play. I mean, this is the way they play. I mean, you think about that game in the regular season against the New Jersey Devils, you know, the third period when they came back and they won it in overtime. I mean, it was, I mean, so when you ask me, can they win this way? 
Well, they won the president's trophy playing that way. You know, they were down three, nothing versus the caps in, in game five. They, they won. So why am I going to say no, they got the skill and, and you know what they have, they have this, they have this real, you, you know, ability to, to, to just kind of go, ah, this is who we are. Like they're not fussed by this. You know, like, you know, when I think back and, and I know there's different times in the playoffs where you're going to have to adjust your game a little bit, don't get me wrong, but what's wrong? Like, okay, so what? So we won five, three. Well, okay. So we won six, four, like everybody. Oh, geez. It was a sloppy defensive effort. No, the game dictated that we needed to win. We found a way to win. What's wrong with that? You know, the NFL does a great job of celebrating uh, a 45, 30, 38 uh, victory in the, in, in the, in, in the, in the, in the playoffs because the quarterbacks were so great. Do you ever hear them in the NFL go, Oh yeah. What about the defense? No. <laughs> right. So, you know what? Defense is good. Offense is great. Bottom line is I love the way the Panthers, they, they play with a, with a, with a real swagger. They have a swagger. I love that. And so much skill and so many resurrected project players that we've talked about before from Bennett to sort of to Reinhardt to declare to Verhage to Marchment, like all these kind of guys. Nobody thought Mackenzie Weger was that good. He's been on the show and he's talked about it. And people said, I didn't, they didn't think I was that good, you know, and he is, uh, Ekblad's compete there at the end, uh, with Mantha. This is big boy hockey and it sets up for whatever happens moving forward. Cause I think the capitals have done as good a job without Tom Wilson as they could probably do. They opened up middle ice a little too much for my liking, but that's who they are. Like they're a very good team with hundred points, but then there's other levels of greatness in this conference. You know, it's like, you're going to the all-star game and, oh, I'm good, but this guy is even better. And oh my God, like uh, royalty to greatness in the division. And it bodes well, Craig, for if it is Florida dot, 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 and whoever they play next. Like, it'll just ramp things up because in theory, whoever they play next will be better than Washington. So that'll make that series even more compelling, whomever it turns out to be. So you asked me, uh, do I think that the Florida, do I think the Florida Panthers can win like this? And I said, yes. Well, guess what? They don't get a chance to close out this series until Friday in Washington, right? I'm betting on them. But now what about Thursday's games? Oh, time now for KB on ice an inside look at the NHL brought to you by our friends at sports interaction sports interaction is Canada sports book 19 plus play responsibly six, 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 six. Who do you like best on this Thursday night predictions? Oh yeah. I'm not so sure I'm worthy of making predictions. I make them, but like, let's go back a year. You know, Montreal getting ready to play the Toronto Maple Leafs. They asked me if Montreal could win this series. I said, win this series. They'll be lucky to win a game. Well, they went all the way to the Stanley Cup final. But you know what? I'm not scared away. You know what? I ate my crow. So here we go. You ready? Toronto wins game six. There's oh! no 17, oh! 17 in a row. They win game six. That game five was big. St. Louis. Oh, I thought it would go seven. St. Louis goes in the mini and takes care of the wild. No way. And you know what? I think the Oilers are in big, big trouble. It's not just the way they played the last two games. No Darnell Nurse. That blue line is in big trouble. I'm going LA Kings. And where would you like me to finish? Boston. The Carolina. I know. I know. Carolina Hurricanes. They're taking it. I like Carolina the best tonight. 
I like Carolina on the puck line and on the puck and a half. So I think it's, it feels like a 4-2 empty net game. Um, the other ones I'm not so sure about, but to be different, I'll take Tampa, I'll take Minnesota, and I'll take Edmonton. Just because, my friend, that would mean <laughs> three game sevens for me. It'll be a special Saturday night. It's you sound be. like Lou Lamarillo. Why did you let Barry Trotz go? Just because. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get into that again. With the most competitive odds, sports interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool button pod. That's sportsinteraction forward slash cool button pod. 19 plus. Read it here. (laughs) And play responsibly. Well, wherever we start with 6666, um, if it's not your team, people are going to be upset. So I'll defer to you. You tell me of this sensational Thursday night with four game sixes that could all end or could all go to game sevens. You tell me what series interests you the most in the storyline. Mr. Button wants to start and I will follow your lead. Well, I, I I think Toronto Tampa Bay is is the one that's that, that's so intriguing. You got the two time defending Stanley Cup champions, who looked fantastic in Game Four and looked just as fantastic for the first twenty minutes of Game Five, and you have the Toronto Maple Leafs who are trying to trying to move to a different level in the, in their playoff play, and you know they the conversation is always about learning and we've learned and we've learned. Well, you know th- these are tests along the path right and so when when the tests are are, are put in front of you you know sports is unbelievable because we get to see how you handle the test right and really you want to know what it like it's never pass fail right it's okay you know what like we we did good enough but here's what we got to do better room for improvement well the toronto maple leafs the way that they were able to find a way to overcome the Tampa Bay Lightning in game five, to me, it's it's tremendous theater, tremendous theater. How did the Tampa Bay Lightning blow this? What does it mean for them? You know, how did the Toronto Maple Leafs take advantage of it? I, I think it's absolutely fascinating because, Steve, you, you and me talk all the time. Talk is cheap. Actions are what matter. Toronto Maple Leafs actions in game five, highly impressed, highly impressed. Probably one of the, well, the, all things considered the biggest win in the Crosby Ovechkin era because I mean, they didn't win the other series. So they, they forced other games at times, uh, but not too often. They usually took leads against Boston and then blew it. Um, they came back against Columbus three, nothing in game four. They, they, they won that game, which was great. Nobody was there. They probably wasted the, one of the four Oh four to go. They pulled their goalie. They scored three goals, but considering the competition, considering if they beat Tampa, then why couldn't they beat anybody else? Right. If it's Florida, Carolina, or whatever, that'd be pretty hard route. But you're losing two nothing to Tampa. You're shorthanded five on three. You need to make adjustments. And the moments that led to Tavares goal, Riley goal, Nylander goal against that team. And John Cooper says, you know, we kind of blew it. Maybe that's confidence. Maybe you'd say it's cockiness. But your actions show we're not done. Whether Spets's speech had a lot to do with it, with it or not. But then Sheldon Keefe said this, it won't matter if we don't win. Where are you on the numbers? 79% of these game five winners. Like I'm throwing everything out the window that says, do it. If it goes to overtime, Tampa's won 16 in a row 
in the last two playoffs after losing a game. That's unbelievable. The law of averages of that number, the league, like right now, the math says, I guess they're due Toronto, but they, they, none of it matters unless they do it again on the ice. They still have to show me, Craig. It feels like game seven to me, but they still have to show me because the series is not over yet. I totally agree. And I think just as importantly, they have to show themselves, you know, and, and so John Cooper talks about, you know, you know, how they handed it to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Well, you know, good teams and, and the Toronto Maple Leafs are a good team, but good teams. I thought there was three seminal moments in the, in the game that, that, that were significant and, 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 and one's going to bleed in to, to a different part of it. But if that score becomes three, nothing, I think it's curtains for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think it's curtains. Yep. So they get out of the first period and it's two, nothing. So what happens? Too many men on the ice penalty. And what do the Toronto Maple Leafs do? Boom. Score on the power play. Right. Okay, good. So now, so now they, they, they took advantage. Seminal moment. Number one. Now they're in the third period. It's two, one games in the balance, right? Ooh, power play coming up. Right. And what ends up happening? Steven Stamkos takes a high sticking penalty. It goes to four on four. Seminal moment number two. The Leafs don't score one goal four on four. They score two goals four on four. Significant opportunity presents itself, and they seized it and took advantage of it. The other seminal moment was right after McDonough had tied the game 3-3, Jack Campbell makes an unbelievable save on Nikita Kucherov to keep it at 3-3. And if that puck goes in, I, I could almost sense that the, the air would have come right out of the Maple Leafs balloon, out of the, out of the Scotiabank arena. I think it would have come right out of it, right? Jack Campbell, seminal moment number three. Teams have to be able to take advantage of opportunity. And obviously, to me, the Toronto Maple Leafs showed, not only do they recognize where the opportunity was, they seized it. That's what winning teams do. They seize it. Take advantage. Yep. And if the five on three goal goes in, it's over. If all those other things, the dominoes, remember a lot of dominoes have fallen against the Leafs, mostly because of their own doing against uh -huh. Montreal and Boston. So they, they pushed the dominoes in their direction with all the, like they did those things. They scored four on four Tavares and Nylander and Justin Hall all had great games. Like they did it. They showed up, they did those things, but it takes four wins. That's why, this game six is so intriguing if the proverbial playoff gorilla will come off the Maple Leafs back. Let me say one more thing about Toronto Maple Leafs. And, I, and having been in these spots with teams and understanding where you're at, right? Like, I think the Toronto Maple Leafs, like, and it's so funny. I'm watching the Calgary Flames game and, you know, everybody wants to ask the question, oh, what was said between the second and third period? Like, listen, like, you know, like, yeah, everybody like we, oh, Jason Spets and Jason Spets because he's got experience and he, he said, I felt it was necessary, right? But now that's going to be the, what was said between the second and third period. You know, Steve, how many teams have lost a game after leading after the second period? Well, Tampa lost one in regulation leading after two this year. In regulation. No, I'm talking three, in the playoffs. In, I'm talking about it in the playoffs. Well, we've seen more of it now. It's almost actually as it hasn't happened. It 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 it, it it's been very rare, rare. So my, here's my comment. So you're down after two periods in, in in a game, right? So what do you think they say between periods? We got to be better in the third period. 
Well, most of the time it doesn't work out. You don't win. <laughs> so you know what ends up happening? You know, it's the same thing that's said in 85% of the cases when you don't win. But it, oh, what was said? Oh, God, just uh, there's my rant for the day. I would be talking if I'm the Toronto Maple Leafs. We've been here before. We've been here before. We're talking about this. We need to close this out in game six. You need to go because I believe that you cannot rest on, on, on saying we have game seven at home. Because if game seven comes home to Toronto, all the pressure's on the Maple Leafs. All the pressure's on the Maple Leafs. Seize the moment in game six, go right after the Tampa Bay Lightning and say your run ends now. Leafs, Florida, Calgary, three huge playoff third period comebacks so far in 2022, which all might lead to eventual first round wins. Okay, where do we go next? I, I want to go to Carolina because it's a homer series. <laughs> five, five, and five at home. Home teams are five and oh. Subtle change. Seth Jarvis on power play one. Worked so well for Rod Brindamore. Anti Ranta did what he had to do. Mm -hmm. The Bruins have looked lost in Raleigh, but they've been great at home. I don't know. But if the relentless Canes show up in game six, they too will be where the Leafs are in your mind about closing things out. I just think that the Canes are better. Show me in Boston if you are, as we discover McAvoy back played last game, and we'll figure out if Hampus Lindholm goes in. Obviously, would help the Bruins' defense a lot. If the Canes are relentless, they'll end it in six, Craig, in my mind. Well, I mean, again, why, why come home and have the pressure on you? Why? why? You know, the Boston Bruins going into game seven have nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. And Carolina has everything to lose. Don't let it get to game seven. Don't let it get to game seven. That's when, that's when the, the vagaries of luck and misfortune can, can conspire against you. Don't let it get there. Don't let it get there. That's what I say. PK, I, th I say tonight's Kane's PK will win or lose them the game in Boston. Um, their power play woke up in game five. Their PK was number one in the NHL in the regular season. They gotta, they can't let 88 and 63 and 37 yeah. dance. So I'm gonna really be watching their, their power play. The Oilers, who is 40% power play, 90% PK? You add them up, it's 130, and you're losing a series. You're losing a series. The Oilers just frustrate me. Like they this series has been one so far, five on five. Last game, five on even strength goals, four to two. Sometimes I just think the Oilers are Murphy's Law. Like I I don't. I don't have confidence in Mike Smith. I don't have confidence in their defense. Duncan Keith, the giveaways, cool. Like, it's not just Smith. The light goes on after he makes a mistake. But you talk about sloppy. The Oilers are an eight-year-old kid eating chicken wings, sauce. Like the, it's not neat. It's not neat. So they need McDavid and Dreisaitl to just run the table. I give the Kings credit for where they're at. Oilers to win both these games to win the series. I just think that Oilers are, they do it. I'll take off this hat, but I got to, I got to say right now, the Kings can smell it at even strength. They can smell it, Craig. That's how I believe it. And Philip Dano, why he's not a Le Canadien, I do not know. A Le 24 again. <laughs>
So have you seen those uh, skip the dishes, uh, hockey pants commercials, that, you know, yes. with the guy eating chicken wings? Like, is that not? And, and, and I mean, he's sitting there and his partner comes up and looks at him like, what's going on? That to me is the Edmonton Oilers. He, he's the Edmonton Oilers with, with, the, with the barbecue sauce on the cat, the barbecue sauce on the curtains. And she's looking at him going like, Really? Like, what is going on here? That's what that, that to me is the Edmonton Oilers. So, you know, I think there's so much to decipher there in in uh, in Edmonton. I, I, I'm going to start one place and then quickly move off of it because I'm stating the obvious. Connor McDavid refused to accept defeat in Game Four. He refused to accept defeat. You know, we talk about superstars having Superman performances. Connor McDavid did exactly that in Game Four. So, you know, we, we, we see his brilliance, Steve, and, and, and like, I'm going to give you a chance here as <laughs> I know where you're going to go, but I'm just get ready here. Take a deep breath. You know, like, you know, like I'm going to let you go here because I, I know where you're, I, I need you to go, but can you, somebody please tell me what the hell Jay Woodcroft was thinking about in overtime, starting Duncan Keith and Brett Kulak on the right side after you've just dominated the last 10 minutes of the third period and you start Dreisaitl and McDavid? Like, what the hell was he thinking? Talk about a coaching blunder. That was the coaching blunder in my view. Now, that wasn't the reason they lost. I mean, it was the winning. It led to problems that ultimately led to their loss. But, like, please tell me what you're thinking. And let me ask you this. Why the hell does Connor McDavid not kill penalties? <laughs> well, he he does it. He does. Now no, no, I'm talking about not not at the end. I'm talking right oh, at, at the, the beginning. Time. Well, uh, it reminds me of Sandina McGillney, and 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 it put the other team on notice right away. They were they, they were worried to go back to the point and have the puck bounce over someone's stick. McDavid would change how you played the one three one, and when you sent it back, I, I'm talking about picture Tampa and Kucherov. Back to Hedman, and then Connor fronts Victor. Better not bobble it. Better find stick like you better. And if we read like all that kind of stuff, they've turned games around with like McDavid to Nurse. That was shorthanded. That was shorthanded for the 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 breathing moment of you know earlier in the series shorthanded goal. So to me, Keith was walked by Kempe. Keith has thrown pucks off referees that turn into goals. Like I know it's not twenty five year old Duncan Keith. I get it. But the Oilers blew it. All things considered, they came back and tied it, but they blew it. I don't have the faith in them to be able to now not blow it, not put sauce on the cat, your pants, the couch, the TV, <laughs> your wife. I, 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 and if they do, good for them. They should be up 3-2. But you know what? Toronto is. The Canes are. St. Louis is. That's why the Oilers are down. You know why? too much sauce and it's not special no you're right and but but like 72 seconds i mean that's how long kulak and, and keith were on the ice in the overtime the entire overtime okay on the long change so like you know what Duncan, i don't like i'm pretty sure whoever was on the blue line at that point in time was going to get walked because you, you were just too tired and campy was coming with too much speed right at that being said who has the record for most shorthanded goals in a, in a regular season mary lemieux so put mcdavid on the penalty kill that's all I'm saying. I'm telling you, like, you know what? He, you, you would be petrified to be out on the ice on the power play with McDavid out there. And yeah. I want, you know what? I'm going to share a story with you. Glenn Sather told me this many, many years ago. He said the light bulb went off for him. 
He said, whenever Gretzky came out on the ice, he said, I reckon, yeah, I realized that he was, he knew he was special. But he also realized that teams started to play back and played more cautious. So he said, I'm going to start using him on the penalty kill. And he said, and Wayne, he said, Wayne was competitive. He was smart. He wanted to be successful at the penalty kill. So it wasn't like he was just going one way, but he said, I noticed that we had a, a double whammy there. We, we, we had Wayne on the ice that could score and threaten. And we had another team that became overly cautious. And Wayne was a good penalty killer with Curry, right? Give me McDavid. Give me Matthews killing penalties. Give them to me. <laughs> I think we're going to see McDavid in uh, Ilya Kovalchuk plus territory in game six. I, uh, you might play 25, 26 minutes. And I would go McDavid. If, if, if they're not together, McDavid, Dreisaitl, McDavid, Dreisaitl. Right, like one, two, one, two. How I saw Ken Hitchcock use Primo. One, two, one, two, one. Five shifts, three Primos, two goals, two nothing Flyers. That's what I would do. Before final thoughts. Can I just say something real quick, please? So you're talking about good coaching again. Yes. My buddy, Ken Hitchcock. Oh, boy. Or we're back to the coaching theme. Oh, coaching raises you up a level, and coaching can also bring you down a level. Craig Brubitt made some changes, um, uh -huh. and it's worked for St. Louis. The blue line healthier, 11-7. and seven. If I'm a forward, I love 11-7, and seven, even if I'm on the fourth line, because there's only two of us now, so we got to play. And the way he went through the rotation and then used everyone up for two. We could argue Marc-Andre Fleury, the second Tarasenko goal. I would have done a breakdown with you on 2-2, game five. Falk gets the puck from Ryan O'Reilly, dumps it in. Pavel Buchnevich, the noted tough guy goon forechecker, goes in, <laughs> beats Middleton and Greenway and Spurgeon, centers the puck to 91. Is he good? Is 91 good? Three guys behind the icing line. That's not winning hockey. That's, that was the game-winning goal in game. So if that's what we see from Minnesota, forget it. I hope there's a game seven. I really do. I'm going to need more from the wild everywhere to believe. From goaltending, defensive blunders, all of it. They can't just have KK97 do their thing. Uh, that's how I see that series before we wrap up the program, Craig. Uh, I'm with you. And, you know, I love Kaprizov. I mean, he's, such a, he, he's a great player. And his comments after game five, he goes, doesn't matter how I play. It matters how the team plays. And we didn't win. So it doesn't matter. They, I mean, he is, he is such a brilliant player. I love it. I love it. Perfectly brings us to final thoughts brought to you by Ultimate Hockey Fans. UltimateHockeyFans.com forward slash cool button pod. Our buddy Paul Cohen is standing by. You want a ceiling fan with your favorite team. You want a light fixture with your favorite team. You want to make a personalized fixture give paul a shout ultimatehockeyfans.com forward slash cool button pod that's where you get our mammoth discount craig take us home what do you like number 51 shane wright the montreal canadians won the draft won the, the draft lottery and are going to pick first and you know there's a lot of symmetry there on may 10th 1979 gila fleur scored maybe his greatest goal ever in Game Seven versus the Montreal, uh, the Boston Bruins, one of the most iconic goals in Montreal Canadiens history, and on May tenth of twenty twenty two, the Montreal Canadiens won the lottery to draft first overall, and that is 
51 years since Guy Lafleur was the first overall pick by the Montreal Canadiens. Is there not some symmetry here with Shane Wright? Is there not some symmetry here with Shane Wright? And I'm just going to say it here. I've declared it. I've said it many times. He's the best player in the draft. And you know what? Like every other, like, you know, oh yeah, pick this apart. I heard how Owen Power wasn't the best player. And I heard how, how this guy wasn't. And, and you go back and forth. He's the best player in the draft. The Montreal Canadiens with the ability to get Shane Wright, number 51 in their lineup. He'll play next year. He doesn't have to be the frontline guy because they got Nick Suzuki there. This is a, it was a good day for the Montreal Canadiens. July 7th will be an exciting day uh, for the Montreal Canadiens and their fan base. That's a perfect 10 close on May the 10th. Lafleur's number 10. Uh, and we hope it's greatness for 51 Shane Wright. Don't need to add to that. Craig, very thorough episode 64. Remember a young prospect named Jason Bond Sr. I scouted him. He wore number 64. He was going to be the next Miriam Lemieux. It kind of didn't work out. He was a good kid. He was so good in junior hockey, though. Sometimes you can take it to another level. Other times you can't. We like to think we took episode 64 to another level. For Craig Button, Bruce Bolton, I'm Steve Coolius. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy the games. Enjoy the games. We'll see you at 65.